Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You know, just to have that flash of something that I wasn't even sure. I don't, I mean, I, I have to say it, that it was just, it was sent to me by God as a reminder of the possibilities. And that was just enough to, to not only decide that that wasn't going to happen that day, that was never going to happen and that I have a bigger purpose. That was the point when Rob Culpa turned his life around. He's a personal training coach, a speaker, a mental health advocate, and just an awesome guest this week. You're gonna love it. Let's keep the men in mental health. It's time for another Mental Health Monday. Let's go. Mental Health Monday is an informational podcast and should not be used to replace the specialized training and professional judgment of a healthcare or mental health care professional. Mental Health Monday can't be held responsible for the use of the information provided. Please always consult a trained mental health professional before making any decision regarding treatment of yourself or others. Self-help information and podcasts and information on the internet is useful, but not always a substitute for professional assistance. Unless otherwise noted, guests of Mental Health Monday are not doctors or licensed in any way. Our hope is to make a connection with you and be more open and honest about everyone's mental health. Thanks for checking it out. Enjoy the podcast. Oh, what's going on? Welcome to another Rigs Off the Radio podcast. It's Mental Health Monday where I keep the men in mental health, you know, having conversations with men that we should be having pretty much on the regular, but don't normally have all the time. Today, my guest is Rob Culpa. Rob reached out to me and wanted to be on the podcast. He's a man of many talents. He's a coach, he's a personal trainer, an entrepreneur, and most of all, a mental health advocate. I've met Rob through our works with the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, and he's a really positive guy. And I didn't realize he's been through so much. Three suicide attempts. So trigger warning, we will be discussing that a little bit during this episode, but it's a talk that needs to be had. And you should know that if you are in one of those dark places, this is not the place to go. We're not doctors, we're just dudes. You can always use the Suicide Prevention Lifeline number. It's 1-800-273-8255, or you can text the word hello to 741-741. That's the crisis text line. So I guess we'll start with Rob. Why did you reach out and want to be a part of this podcast and share your story? So I've always kind of felt that I've, you know, I was challenged even when I was young with my mental health and and we'll get into kind of explaining a little bit more about, you know, what I'm diagnosed with and stuff like that. And at when I was younger, I've always always looked to other people for help, you know, and and there's a lot of times that you pick the wrong role models and things like that. And sure. so after I've now I don't, you know, I don't believe anyone ever gets fully out of out of the challenges of dealing with, you know, depression, 
suicidal tendencies, anxiety, any of the, any of the major mental health issues. But you know, I personally don't think and don't ever plan to be like completely on the other side of it, like some people say. But I do believe that I've gotten a very good hang of it, and I've I've learned what I need to learn from it, and that is to be the person I needed when I was younger. Yeah. And so I actually like that's kind of my motto. Like if you were to break it down, my actual motto in life is to be that person. And I do that through a multitude of ways. But one of those ways is, is being open and honest about it, you know, and open and honest with my struggles because it'll help other people. And so I've really, you know, especially through the last year and the challenges that everyone's dealt with with this pandemic is seeing so many people mental health coming to a forefront and it's it's a beautiful thing to see but making sure that people don't lose the 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 truth of the things in the stigma of stuff and so i've always you know i i think it's funny because i've followed you before i even realized that you were on the radio in milwaukee really <laughs> I, I followed you um because of the uh walk for suicide awareness yeah the american foundation and, for suicide mm -hmm. prevention that's yep. kind of our common ground there yeah and so and i um even two years ago that was when i first really started becoming more comfortable with my story and my ability to share the story for other people because i don't think i'll ever be like fully comfortable like i i'm not gonna lie even leading up to the recording of this it just you know my you start to get that anxiety that that starts to build up and you know being vulnerable and opening up about something like your emotions and your mental health like those are things that guys just don't do often they don't and I have, <laughs> I've really developed more of the the gym guy persona than I ever thought I would, and, and things like that because I've I've learned how health and your physical health can and can correlate so much with your mental health. And so oh, yeah. I think the combination of all of those things and and then just you know knowing that this is just another way for me to be able to share that story. And if I can, if if my story can somebody can relate to it and it can help them at all even just one other guy or one other person it doesn't have to be a guy but anybody, no not at all that that's worth it and so this is just another opportunity to do that plus because i'm just getting started doing this it gives me some practice because i want to be able to build the confidence and and the the speaking abilities up to to be able to go to a grade school go to a high school and truly be that person that i needed when i was younger for other people yeah, because I think that that is that is the 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 most important thing I can do right now, and that's where I feel that my you know my soul is leading me to be, and so this was one of those first steps. I think. Yeah. So you've said you've struggled with with your mental health since you were much younger. Mm -hmm. Um. So when did you really? Did your parents ever talk to you about mental health? Did you ever have like a, a discussion about your emotions when you were growing up with your dad or your mom or anything? Or <laughs> no, probably not. So so I was born in 1985. So okay, in the mid 80s. Um, I'm an 82, we were, so we're both you know we're both of that same ilk. <laughs> right, you know, and and like at that time, like, and I I you know both my parents, I love them for their own purposes. Um. My mom was always a little bit more kind of, I mean, we, we lived here in southeastern Wisconsin in a small town. And so my mom was always kind of a little bit more of like the gossip lady and, you know, 
don't do these things because I'll find out about it. Like it, it was never really don't do these things because they're bad for you or they could hurt you or you could get hurt or something could happen. It was, it was always kind of related to that. And so I think I was always, you know, I was never really interested in talking with her too much about mental health because she just didn't seem like, I mean, that's yourself, you know? So like, that's, that's about me. That has nothing to do with other people except for, Especially at those times in the 90s and stuff, the stigma was even worse. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, people just didn't like, they, they just thought it was attention getting. You're you know? crazy. So, you're just getting attention. Yeah, you're right. only doing, you're being the victim right now. It's just yeah. a phase you're going through. Yep. And and so I, I you know, I almost like, I never gave her the, the chance. And then once I did, I, it that's basically what happened. And so growing up when I was much younger, I was very, I was heavier I was always kind of heavier growing up. I was always a bigger kid and I was always kind of like on the edge, you know, like I always wanted to, I don't know what drew me to want to be the popular group, but because I was always kind of the, the heavier kid, I was there, but you could tell that I was almost there because of pity. <laughs> oh, like <laughs> they so would, you didn't, we'll let the fat guy hang out with us because we feel yeah. bad for him. Yeah, you know, thing? like, okay. like, and maybe I was funny at, you know, there's a lot of stuff I'm sure when I was younger that I've probably even re repressed some of the memories, but there was a lot of, you know, like that, I feel like that didn't help the imbalance that was already happening with my, with my brain, but that also led into, you know, repressing some of those things. So like, I, I'll never forget there was a time where I did try to mention it to my father. And I mean, this is, you know, I'm maybe just starting high school or something along those lines. I don't remember the exact age I was, but I was, I was old enough to realize that I, I feel like there, I should be happier. And you brought like this up to your went, dad? You decided to? Mm -hmm. Okay. You know, and, and I, I love him to death, but I mean, dad was, dad's, Dad was dad from the nineties. Like, yeah. I, I think it's funny. They have the, um, I forget the name of the show. There's a show that's out about, he's a, he's an actor or director now, but Goldberg's. Okay. And, and they talk about growing up in the eighties and the nineties and the, and the dad that's in the Goldberg's, um, portrays my pops perfectly. And I love my dad to death. He still lives here in Elkhorn with us. I see him on, almost a weekly basis and we we hang out even through COVID. i was getting him his his food and stuff like sure. that you know and so i mean i don't i don't hold anything against him for this uh but it was one of those things where i brought it up and he's like well you know kind of like you said it's just a phase yeah, basically kind of like you know everybody gets sad everyone gets depressed it's not actually an, a thing and but, then yeah um which is problematic yeah. for a lot of reasons but okay Right. He's, he's right, also, but he's not. He's right, right, but he's not right. Right. You know, like it, he was trying to play it down, you know, yeah. and, and, and I understand, you know, once again, at that time, that's just kind of the way things were. And, and so unfortunately, that probably made me hold off a little bit longer. And I made a very fetal first attempt on my life when I was in high school. Because you mentioned yeah. it in the message when you reached out to be on this podcast, and I'm mm -hmm. assuming we'll talk about that. You've made three attempts on your life. Yep, and three three separate times, and and I I consider. I mean, everyone has their own general opinions, but some some I consider a little bit more more realistic attempts than others. Okay. Um, you know, like there's like 
the time in high school I, I physically made an attempt. There was another time, a little bit later, I physically made an attempt. And then there was a time where I made a very thought out and intensive plan and then didn't finish going through with it. And that was the last time. And since then, that's why I've, I, you know, I feel like my decision to not go through that wasn't necessarily my decision. I feel like it was generally a decision from a higher power, which everyone has their own beliefs, but that, that saved me, that, that power saved me, but now I'm paying it back by helping other people. So when did, so so things just started kind of spiraling out of control, I guess, in high school a little bit. That sounds Mm -hmm. like where it kind of started. And, and that's, so for about a year while I was in high school, after maybe that first attempt, um, you know, I think we got across, I got across to my parents how serious and in decline my mental health was because I no longer felt comfortable in big group situations. Like I used to be, you know, I used to love being in bigger group situations, um, you know, when I was in grade school. But by the time I got to like the middle of high school age, I started really, really not being able to be in stores, not being able to be out in out in out in public with people and just feeling very uncomfortable and that anxiety was coming in from that and so um not doing like lunchroom you know during high school and things like that i would i found places that i could be or reasons and excuses not to be be in the lunchroom because i just felt that everybody was focused on me everyone was talking about me and it was just an uncomfortable situation and that's so, the spotlight effect we always feel like people are thinking about us and talking about us but they're not mm-hmm. they're too focused on themselves everybody's yeah. always worried about them they're not worried about you or what you're wearing I, or what you're saying or what you're doing and i wish that i somehow got that people got that across to me more you know yeah. like and so that's when it was probably about my junior year of high school that I finally got it across to my parents that this was something more serious yeah. um, and told them about uh, one of those first, that first attempt. And so they actually, we, we talked to the doctor, the doctor did back then they would give you like a one page questionnaire and you'd circle yes or no. And they total it up and decide, okay, you actually have depression or no, you're just, you're just sad. <laughs> you're three like, points shy of depression. If you would have answered yes, yes and then two sorry, more. Like, you just what? came up just shy. No, I didn't no, answer correct. No referral. I right. know I'm depressed. I know it. <laughs> And and so like I I apparently answered enough of the questions correctly where they referred me to a uh, see a counselor yeah and it was probably one of the first steps that I truly made to being better with my mental health was was learning to talk about it with somebody because for some reason I just didn't understand I don't know if this was just my upbringing or what but I just didn't understand that I could talk with my family about these things and stuff like that yeah you know but by having this person who is non-objective which i believe is the benefit of counseling and, and for anybody for any purpose it's an unbiased you know, third-party perspective who's 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 practiced at at listening and mm-hmm. practiced at, at at helping you understand your thoughts better and so i've i've always loved this picture of like what a therapist or a counselor does for you and it's above like the 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 patient is just this ravel of twisted knot and then the therapist is like untangling the knot and that's like your thoughts like your thoughts are in and out and up and down yeah and the therapist helps you kind of pull that together and so um it was really awesome i got to see this therapist um they got me into a and uh an actual like uh doctor as well and so then they prescribe medication 
Psychiatrist, essentially. Mm-hmm. Psychiatrist, Psychiatrist, yep. Psychologists will listen. Psychiatrists will prescribe. Right. And then and then I always forget kind of how to, like, I always just called her a counselor. But yeah, yeah. psychologist. Same, was, thing. same thing. Was, she would listen. And she did a great job. And then she got me to the, the um, doctor and got actual medication. And I think that that was a blessing and a curse all at the same time. Being on a medication, was this the first time, your first stint with medication? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, this is, you know, this is, the, the parents finally agreed to get me to the counselor. Counselor, you know, we talked for a couple of sessions, and then she referred me to the doctor, doctor, you know, while still doing counseling. And um, the doctor put me on medication. I can't remember exactly what it was, but I believe it was. Was it an antidepressant? Uh, I don't. I think the first try was antidepressants, and okay. then I also believe I've been on antipsychotics as well. Okay. And I don't remember the names, nor does it really matter because most of them tend to do about the same stuff. But the, they first put me on antidepressants, and they diagnosed me with clinical depression and social anxiety. Okay. Um, and so, basically, from my understanding, clinical depression was really just you know uh, just a way of saying you, you, we believe that you have depression. We're just not quite sure exactly what or why mm-hmm. and so then they started putting me on medication and the medication was beneficial because it made me not feel depression or depressed or sadness and a lot of times it, it eased the anxiety but it made me not feel anything yeah some people are worried about that with medication they're worried about and, not feeling anything at all and it was weird and it was it definitely was um it was different from going from feeling so much you know and 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 I'll explain in a little bit why um, the depression uh, diagnosis was actually misdiagnosed because they I went back eventually as I got older and got a new diagnosis. But um, feeling so many different feelings, ups and downs, and so much to just like shutting it off. Yeah, and that was almost a little startling. It was beneficial because it got me through the end of high school, but it didn't help me at all because then I didn't have feelings. So I didn't, I I didn't have, you know, real relationships, even with my own family. Like you just start to really, you feel so shut off to emotion that you just feel kind of like a, a shell. Yeah. Did you bring this up to your psychiatrist or your, or your counselor? Either one of them. Good. Yep. And, and that's when they started changing up the medications and we tried different stuff. And there were some medications where it didn't feel quite as bad as that. You know, like, that's one thing that I want to say to anyone listening, you know, I'm not trying to say that medication is is bad. I think everybody has a need or not need for it. And I think that sometimes what one medication will work for somebody doesn't necessarily do the same thing for another. So you do want to work with that professional. Yeah, everybody's different. And don't, and if you try something that isn't working, it's good, like you said, to go and speak up to them and say, hey, this is not making me feel right. Um, can we try something else? And they're totally open to doing that because there's so many different medications out there. So good point. Yeah, Absolutely. and I can speak now from somebody who does, uh, is part of a care team for people and stuff because I'm a nutrition coach and a personal trainer and I, I work with a supplement company as well too. Like now I can speak like that's all I ever want from anybody. Mm-hmm is to tell me what is happening, whether it's good or bad, you know? And I think that that's something that I'm very lucky that I realized at that time too, because then we tried different medications and eventually we found one that, that worked 
well, you know, that, that I, I had emotion, but it wasn't extreme. Um, I was able to start talking and, and relating with people a little bit more. And by the time I went to college, um, you know, I felt a little bit more, I guess, quote unquote, normal. <laughs> more, yeah. <laughs> like how, you had, a, how you had found a good baseline. Yeah. And so it was working out well. And then I went to college and um, I actually went to school for theater design. <laughs> theater okay. design with a, a contemporary dance minor. Jeez. And at this time, I was still <laughs> I was still uh, 300 or so pounds. Okay. And so it was, it was, it had its ups and downs. Um, but being in college and being in a group of people that were like-minded really helped a lot too, I think. Mm-hmm. And so I got to a point where I felt like I had everything fully under control. Yeah. And uh, I stopped taking my medication, not by uh, talking with my, my therapist at the time. Bad idea. Um, I had stopped <laughs> going to the therapist and stuff. I, yeah. I had decided I was all better. Like I was oh, here. Okay. It is gone. I never have to worry about it again. This is... Like it was just, it was poor. It was, it was me taking control of my own care without actually understanding the problem with the disease. Yes. So you knew that and, that wasn't, you didn't know at the time, but you know, now looking back that that was yeah. not the right thing to do. Yes. Good. Okay. Yes. Because unfortunately, you know, and I mean, then college happens, you know, yeah. and I was not, you know, uh, a person, the librarian at my college didn't know my name. I'll say that much. I, I didn't, I didn't make the best decisions. I didn't take the best care of myself. And, and I, 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 I spent a lot of times uh, out at night. <laughs> so, you know, right. I, I made friends, I made connections that way, but I also, you know, was using substances to be able to do what those medications were doing and what the counseling was doing. You were trying and to I find other substitutes it. thinking, oh, I'll, yeah. I can try this. This will work just as good. Yeah. Well, it's, it numbs it and takes it away. Yeah. So once again, instead of actually taking care of the problem, now I'm just ignoring the problem. And I'm, I'm using substances and things like that to be able to, to make up for it. And, and then that obviously affects relationships and all of that stuff starts to go into one another. And I had a, a serious relationship that I was in and uh, that did not end well. Um, found out that uh, she was also in another serious relationship. Right? And Doesn't so, that suck when you're like, I thought we were in a relationship. Wait, you're in another one? That's not how this yeah. works at all. <laughs> and, he, and he was a good friend of mine. And so oh. um, it, it just, it hit me really hard. And so this was the next attempt and it was another physical attempt on my own life. And that's, that's when I realized that I, I had like feigned thinking I was in control. And I think that's also when I started to realize that this is something that's never going to go away. It's not going to ever get cured. Yeah. You know, but I, I didn't come to that full conclusion yet. It's just, I think that looking back on it, that's when I started to realize this is something that's, you know, it's going to be with me for the rest of my life. Yeah. And so instead of trying to, to cover it up or fight it all the time, you know, I needed to do something better with it. I also uh, ended up getting in some trouble while I was in college and, and uh, going through some tougher times and uh, spending a summer <laughs> in the worst uh, uh, summer camp I've ever been in. Oh, God. <laughs> and we'll leave, we'll leave it at that. Like, it was, I, I did time. And so that doing time when, at a summer camp. <laughs> when you, when you do, I, I call it a summer camp because, 
it was, it was, you know, you're bunked up with people and stuff, but I was, sure. I got in trouble and, and ended up getting a record and, and really not being able to finish school. And so it was like one thing after another, after another, just piled on top of it. And I realized that I could either let this just eventually ruin me or I could start making some changes. So while I was doing my time and stuff, I really started to focus a lot more about mental health and, and learning about my own personal mental health. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had gotten out and I had started a small business, which if you all um, are struggling with mental health, I wouldn't suggest a stressful small business. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just add some more stress. That's like, I have mental health issues. Let's have children and start a big family right now. <laughs> right. Exactly. Work on yourself like, first. It was just, it was just, a, it wasn't necessarily the best decision, but once again, like I said, to start all of this, I, I wouldn't change any of the things that happened. I wouldn't change the situation that put me in there. I wouldn't it made you who you are today. Right. Everything, you know, yeah. and, and now I get to help people and I, I have spent the last four years helping people, but it took a lot of, a lot of ups and downs. And so starting that small business, you know, was one of those huge things, you know, and I'm 25 yeah. years old at the time. I, the small business is nothing to do with the five years that I went to college for. I had gotten kicked out of college. So I, I had, I would have to reapply to go back, but I had also realized that that wasn't necessarily where my passion was anyways, Yeah, was in the theater design. I love theater. Dance was fun. Um, it being, I'm not going to lie, being a guy and a dance minor in college and uh, being a straight guy and a dance minor in college was, was always a benefit too, because you got to, <laughs> to meet a lot of girls. Well, and, sure. Uh, did that, op- well. did that open you up to the unfortunate mockery and ridicule of other men? Because men don't see that as masculine. Men yes. are often to look down at something like that and be like, uh, assuming that you're gay and then running into all of this negativity that men spew at that type of industry and that the it's unfortunately stigmatized like that. It shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. But did you encounter a lot of that as well? Um you know, being in that bubble, it wasn't quite as, as much, but then when you get outside the bubble, going, going out to the bars and stuff like that, yeah, you'd get a little bit, yeah. you get a little bit of it, you know, being a theater guy in general, it was just one of those things that you would just get, you know, you'd get it. So I'd started to learn about that stigma mm-hmm. and, and the, and the challenges, you know, like it was just, it was just kind of one of those silly things where it's like, why does it matter? You know, like, have you ever tried to do some of these dance, dance moves? Like. I, I'm a lot stronger now and a lot more fit now than I was then. And I'm sure that I'd still would be just as much of a challenge. You know? Absolutely. Like, it would be. It's just, it's ridiculous, but yeah. it is one of those things. And that's, that's, I think kind of why I have, you know, decided that it's, I want to share my story and I want to, I want to do some of the stuff that I plan to do. And that is releasing those sigmas is because of some of those early times where I saw that. Yeah. Um, the small business that I started was, it's, it's a video store. I started it in 2010. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, like everybody thought that that was crazy too, but I ended up running and, and owning that video store until 2019 and sold it. So there, I think I've always kind of been pulled into the direction of places where you're going to get that stigma, you know, but I also, I don't know. I, I guess I'm just, you sound like the kind of person that seeks out challenges and yeah, likes to conquer think, things. Like you I like to do I, the, un- you like to, is. you like to do the undoable and do the unthinkable. 
I think there's something to say though with dealing with with the depression and the anxiety. Is Absolutely, it is. It, you know, especially once you're able to to overcome some of those challenges, you feel like there's nothing. I mean, there's really nothing I couldn't do. I mean, you guys, I started a video store in 2010 from scratch. It's like starting a real estate business in 2008. Why would you do that? Right. <laughs> Why would exactly. you do that? <laughs> exactly. It was crazy. But the but I knew that there was still a niche and there was still a need for that that one-on-one customer service base and, and with movie rentals everybody knows so you can go online you can go to the boxes and stuff like that but i still felt like there was something there and and we really did carve that out here and and that store is still open to this day i mean is he, it really he made it he i must have built up enough background and he had enough wherewithal that the guy who bought the store from me i just went there and rented movies from him yesterday oh wow um and he's still getting new releases, but he also does video games and stuff like that. The place, yeah. if you guys are listening, it's called Video and Game Gallery in Elkhorn, Wisconsin. Check it I out. I know exactly where that is. I follow him on Instagram. <laughs> yep, yep. That used to be my store. Yeah. And, um, and you know, and I really, uh, I think that it just goes to show that there, there's times where you have to do that. And dealing with this type of mental health issue, it, it almost makes you push for those challenges a little bit more i mean now my now that's what i do is i literally take people who don't want to do anything with their with their physical health and their their habits and their their dietary habits and their exercise habits and i i help them do do the same thing because after so we'll go back to starting that video store and dealing with a lot of that stress and stuff i Mm -hmm. i met an amazing woman to to this day is my wife and the mother of my child now um, and so she kind of, you know, finding somebody that helps like deal with some of the ups and downs was, was beneficial, but it still was kind of ironic. And this is where the story kind of seems like it's going good. And then it takes this weird turn. Like, so we got married, the video store was doing relatively well, okay. but I was not taking care of my mental health still. I, um, was not listening to my wife at that time uh we'd just gotten married and paying attention to some of the stuff that she was pointing out like rob you're doing these things you know you say that you want this store to do well but then you're making bad choices while you're there and you you say that you want to get healthier but you're just eating poor foods and you're making horrible choices about what you're putting into your body you know like what's going on and instead of me realizing i needed to make a change i figured I was just dragging her down and I was dragging the store down and I was dragging everyone down. And this is one of the things that I really want to get across to people is a lot of times when somebody starts to contemplate suicide, it's not like they don't see the negative side of things. They only see the positive side of things. And in fact, that gets them more excited. And so I started to make this plan where I was just going to disappear. I was going to end up going and taking my own life out in the woods in a, in a park out in the, in the country. Mm-hmm. And I had, it had become like almost relieving. And I knew that, you know, the store was starting to do better. And so the store was going to be okay. Everything was going to be in her name. I had wrote it all out, all the information, you know, she was going to, she was still young. She'd be able to find somebody else. Like I had all of these, like I had thought through all of it and you guys, it's as easy sometimes in somebody's mind who makes these decisions as you being on a diet 
and deciding, you know, I ate all good. I ate good all week long. What could a donut hurt? And, and, and really convincing yourself that that donut's not going to affect your diet at all. We all know that eating that donut is going to affect your diet, no matter whether it's, you know, gaining weight or whatever. But at that moment, in that momentary time, which that time could be, you know, the minute that you're in the gas station, or this was about a two or three week span of time where you're starting to plan this out. And as this, this starts to go, I, I really started to, to just see all of the, the good that this could cause. In your mind. And, and yeah, in my mind, you know, and, and lose the actual connection to the negative side of it. The and ripple effect that, it would, that it would cause yeah, afterwards. Yeah. You know, like the, my customers would be sad. The, you know, my, my wife would obviously be sad. Who knows what would happen if, if, she, if I wasn't around to be able to, to, to help support her. You know, like, and, and now, and, and I know that you heard this when I spoke at our, as our, at our walk, you know, now I have a seven-month-old daughter. Like, she would have never been born. I look yeah. in her eyes now and I, and I think about the, that time and how set I was to take my own life and then to, to realize that how selfish that would have been to take away my daughter's life as well. And so I think sometimes people, they, they don't think about the, that when you're going through these contemplations. You just think about all the positive that could come, which is such a weird way to say, like when you're no, but it makes suicide, but it makes sense the way that you're talking about it, though. You know, it like does. that, and and that's what happens. And and so I've, I mean, I've lost lots of friends from suicide, whether it's whether it's drug induced or whether it was intentional. by their own hand, like, yeah. You know, and I I see friends of mine who are like mutual friends who get angry about it and and call it selfish or this or that. But the reality is, is that. Somebody who has this imbalance, this this chemical imbalance, and that's really what it comes down to, you mm -hmm. all, is it's a chemical imbalance. It's hormones in your head. And when you have that imbalance, it's so easy to change the way that people think. And it's and I realized that I, I thought that this was just the way everybody was. You know, maybe not necessarily in the suicide aspect of things, but just the way that everybody was in making decisions or being able to, like, slide by. But this is, I, I find out later after I talked to my wife about this, years years after this happened, and I finally opened up and told her that she just, like, and to this day, just can't wrap her head around that concept, you know. What finally and, pulled, what pulled you out of this, though? What snapped was, you? What snapped you into it to say this is the third time this has happened? This is not what I need to do. This is not the I route was, I need to go. What happened? I was at the park. Um, I had everything I needed, and I was about to get out. And I had this like I don't know how to even describe it. I mean, I am I am religious. I'm Christian. Um, I do believe in in the power of the universal spirit and of God. And so I don't know if it was something like that. It was just this flash of a future and leading up to this and never, especially those last two weeks, when you start to finalize decisions and stuff, you really start to accept that there's no future. And it's to the point where you don't even see your future because you're already, you've already like tried to shut that off. It's kind of like in your mind at that point, it's not going to happen. Right. You know, you've, you've already accepted it. And it's ironic because I actually have a tattoo of the word accepted on my left wrist, which I got when I was in college 
um, in and around this the second time, uh, just to remind myself that you need to just kind of accept some of the challenges in life and move forward. But unfortunately, I had also started to realize that acceptance was also a time where you could just accept, you know, the hand you're given, and, and but you have the ability to to end things and, and do it on your own terms type of thing. And so I was there, I was, I was getting ready to get out of the car and I just had this flash of a future and this flash of my wife and some like laughing of like a child or children and a nice house. And I, and I mean, it's not like I had this like vision and it knocked me backwards and I'm like right. laying in the parking lot at this park and this is the middle of the winter. So like, there's nobody around this. Nobody's, nobody's going to a park at this time. Um, but it was just, it was like, as I was going to leave, I had seen this future, which I had never seen before and, um, and never really had, had an urge to like, I'd. I've, I was always afraid of how I took care of myself that to have a child. <laughs> I was just like, I couldn't bring a child into this world. I can't take care of myself. Like, how could I take care of some sort of innocent child? And, uh, you know, just to have that flash of something that I wasn't even sure. I don't, I mean, I, I have to say it, that it was just, it was sent to me by God as a reminder of possibilities. And that was just enough to, to not only decide that that wasn't going to happen that day, that was never going to happen and that I have a bigger purpose. And that purpose is... is To share helping, your story and help other yeah, people. Helping change, helping yeah. people change and, and proving that it's possible. I think that's the thing that, the, you know, the, I, like I said, my motto is be the person you needed when you were younger, but also if I can do it, anyone can. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's why I, I, I like to be brutally honest about some of my past and, and getting in trouble and spending in, in, in some of those things because it shows that I wasn't this person who just, you know, had this silver spoon and, and then let that kind of go to the awry. And now I'm just like back and I'm, I'm rocking out the world or whatever, but it really shows that anyone can do it. Cause now, I mean, that was almost five and a half years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, since then I have, uh, managed to start a couple of successful other businesses from home, mm -hmm. truly helping other people and, and helping people with nutrition and with exercise. I exercise regularly. I was going to um, say, what do you do for self-care? Like what's your, what keeps you going, keeps your mind fresh? The gym. And mm -hmm. honestly, I, I'm a big gym person. I know that some people aren't necessarily in public gym person. And for, for being a person with anxiety, like social anxiety, everyone's just like, really? But I also speak in front of rooms of people and share my story yeah. too. And so I think what happens is um, you start to find that passion. And so one of the biggest self-care things that I can say is, is find what your passion is. And my passion ended up being helping other people, helping other people change, you know, because the change is the thing that truly solidified everything. Cause that's when I started to, to eat healthier and I started to go to the gym and I started to work out and I started to see and develop a confidence in myself and who I am. And I wasn't attached to who I thought I was or who other people thought I was. I really started to realize who I am and that confidence that's the thing that, that helped each, each next step happen. You know, that's the thing that helped me start to, to, to go to a counselor. I started going to a counselor after that last time. 
Mm -hmm. um, and I uh, was put back on medication again. We were, I was re-diagnosed with manic depression instead of clinical depression, which made way more sense. Because, yeah, it does. You know, I, I, I had such manic episodes all of the time. And those manic episodes aren't necessarily like, ha ha, crying, ha ha, like up and down. But what will happen is you, you, like in the morning, you'll wake up and I would go to the gym. And then before I had really started to become aware of this manic aspect of it, I'd go to the gym in the morning and then by the end of the night, I'd be drunk. Yeah. So, you, so you'd go and you would you'd work out and basically all you're doing is you're just stuck at this balance, you mm -hmm. know? And and so like manic can also be like the way that you treat yourselves and things. And, yeah. and it would also be, you know, like simpler stuff. And so to this day, you still have these moments of, well, the world would be a little bit better without me. Or I could see where the world could be better without me. But then by having practice, by having that, that confidence in yourself and in who you are, by having a support team of people, by, by knowing that those, are, those moments are gonna happen, it allows you to kind of sit in that moment for a minute, respect that thought, because those thoughts are never gonna go away. So by trying to ignore them, trying to to shove them away or whatever, bury them. They just become louder. Yeah, mm -hmm. by burying them, they mm -hmm. just get louder and louder and louder. Um, so if you accept and you acknowledge them for a little bit of time, and that's why it's funny that I have that accept it tattoo on my arm, is because now I've learned to take that in a different aspect. And that's been one of the biggest things. It's been one of the most important parts of self-care is not to ignore those feelings, but to accept, acknowledge, and then let them go through. Yeah. And that and that, that can happen with anything. That can happen with times where I'm urged that I want to do, you know, a substance, where I'm urged that I want to do some harm to myself, where, I, where I'm urged where I just want to get upset or I just want to give up. I mean, I'm still an entrepreneur at this point, you know, yeah. as a coach and, and, and a marketer and stuff. It, there's a lot of challenges, but learning those things have really been the key to not only helping me, but helping other people as well. And I'd like to use accepted, not in a negative way. A lot of people think accepted means just get over it and move on with it mm -hmm. and do it begrudgingly. But you only, you almost do and you accept it and you embrace it almost. You're accepting mm -hmm. and you're embracing and you're learning from what you're doing. I think there's a level of gratitude that comes from it when you think of it that way too, mm -hmm. because, you know, you could get mad because it's snowing and you have to go to work or you can accept it because it could be worse. You know, you could accept it because there, there are other people who are mad because it's snowing, but they don't even have a work to go to. Mm -hmm. There are other people that are, you know, that are mad because of this or because of that, you know, and, and you have to realize that there is always a level where it could be a little bit worse. And by doing that and using that, you get this level of gratitude from it, from just that concept of accept it. No, it's an inspiring story. I mean, maybe not everybody's gone through three suicide attempts, but I'm sure people have gone through something that you have mentioned over the last, what, 40 minutes that we've been talking. I mean, right. everybody's had that point where they've tried to fit in. Someone, everybody's been bullied. Everybody's gone through that point where they've, they've, they've used substances to try to mask what they're feeling, I think, and everybody's gone through that. So it's a story that a lot of people can relate to, and I think it's a powerful one. And I thank you for sharing the story. It's, it's, it's important, and more people need to hear it. And that's why 
I do these stories with men because men don't have conversations like this ever, really. I mean, not right. in this depth, at least. So, um, yeah, and the, and the conversations are so needed, um, yeah. you guys. And, and you can have them anywhere. You can have them while you're out at the bar. You yeah. can have them in the garage while you're drinking around the barbecue yeah. at the gym. I've had, I've had mental health conversations at the gym. Yeah. You know, I spend a fair amount of time at the gym, but, you know, right. that's, that's just, that's kind of, I think the more that we do that, the less that that stigma is going to be out there, Yeah. Um. you know, and, and the more that, that every type of man steps up, you know, like mm-hmm. we need more of the, the personal trainer gym guys, you know, like it's funny because our purpose is to help other people physically. And sometimes we forget that for somebody to make physical changes, you have to make those mental changes first. And, and we're taught that in, in our certifications and stuff, you're taught about the, the stages of change and things like that. But sometimes you just forget, you know, that, that there's, there's two levels, there's two sides to health. There's the mm-hmm. mental health and the physical health. And, and they're both I work together. That, there's it's a symbiotic relationship. Exactly. And I think, I think you're doing a great job of getting the word out there. I'm hoping to follow in your footsteps and continue to do that in, in our own special way as well, too. And it's just awesome to, to see that happen more and more. And you guys look for some of these events that are going on. Look for some of this stuff, because even if you don't deal with it personally, I guarantee you somebody within your close circle is dealing with these these thoughts they're dealing with the the actual attempts they're dealing with their their significant other doing it i mean mm-hmm. and a lot of times it's the people you don't expect yeah you know obviously we we can come out and we can talk about it because that's something we we feel comfortable at this end but when somebody is actually in the midst of dealing with it not only will they not talk about it but they're going to do a really good job of hiding it. hiding that mm-hmm. battle Absolutely. Well, I'll ask you one question before we go, because I always ask everybody this at the end of every podcast. It's what's the last nice thing that you did for yourself, just for you? The last nice thing that I did for myself, I think, was take a bath this morning. You take baths still? Sound- that's awesome. <laughs> this is going to sound so Thank weird, you. too. But, no. but I guess if, if, if I'm being 100% honest, like, so Saturday mornings, my wife does step class and stuff because on the weeks, during the week, she works our, our, her typical, like, nine to five. Yeah. And so she doesn't quite have the ability to do, like, morning workouts like I do. Um, so Saturday mornings for me tend to be more of a relaxing recovery type of morning. Mm-hmm. So now like me and the baby will be up. She goes to do her step class. We'll hang out, do some dishes, watch, you know, we watch Saturday morning cartoons, but before I still like, I still, no matter how much I want to sleep in and no matter how late I stay up Friday night, I'm still up within an hour or so of when I normally wake up to get to the gym at 5 a.m. And so you wake up early <laughs> and you're just like, okay, what do I do? You don't want to, ma- I don't want to do laundry. I don't want to do dishes. I don't want to wake them up. And so one of the good things that I can do is I'll take an Epsom salt bath and not like sitting there soaking, you know, I don't got bubbles. I don't got candles going. <laughs> uh, right. This morning I was actually, I was reading through my, my personal training uh, certification book yeah. um, because I'm, I'm working on research. So like there, like, it just gives you that little bit of time to really focus on yourself. And, and it is, it is a hundred percent for you, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that little bit of time when you take that, those, 
that time. You you really see the rest of the day, the the challenges, the times where somebody cuts you off while you're driving or something like that. A lot of times if you've taken that time in the morning, all those other stuff, just it's just easier to accept it. It's just easier to be grateful to to where you're at and and not let those those things that used to get you upset get you nearly as upset. Absolutely. Well, you sound like you've been through a hell of a journey, man. You're in a great place where you are now. So thank you for sharing your story. I really appreciate you coming on and talking. Um, it's one of my longer episodes, but it was honestly one of my most, I think, impactful episodes, if I'm being honest. And I'm not just, cool. you know, I'm not just you know, BSing you. It really is because <laughs> I, I was listening to it and taking it all in. So I can only imagine anybody else that's listening is probably doing the same thing. Yeah, I appreciate it. And, and my network marketing uh, team will always uh, tell you that I, I, I try to be shorter and I always just end up, I, I don't know. I, I feel like when you, when you get, when you have to get something across, you have to take that little bit of extra time and, and my wife, but my wife will tell you that I just like to hear myself. Talk, so. <laughs> I do too. That's <laughs> why I work in radio. Which, where your opinions come from. This is why I work on the radio. I love hearing the yeah. sound of my own voice. <laughs> I've always wanted to be on the radio too. Rick, so maybe, maybe you guys will, you'll have to let me know where I can go for that. I can start doing some radio work. <laughs> <laughs> this is a good start right here, dude. Rob awesome. Culpa, man. Thank you so much for your time, man. Yeah. Thank you.